Welcome to Undefeated the Podcast. I'm Bria. Every athlete has a unique story. And when we share our stories, we create opportunities for others to receive hope, courage, and understanding for their own journey. Your chance to get inspired starts now. So today's guest is Brianna Morgan from Beverly Hills, California. She was a Division I tennis player at the University of Florida and shortly after her college career went pro and became a professional tennis player. She has many successful accomplishments as a tennis player at UF from all SEC um, scholar athlete. She was on academic honor roll um, and she was the MVP for SEC tournament and so much more, the list goes on. So let's welcome Brianna Morgan. All right, so we're gonna start with an icebreaker question. Who's your favorite superhero and why? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm not a huge superhero person, but I guess I'd say like Wonder Woman. Okay. Did you watch Honestly, the movie? Honestly, because that... Girl, no. no. <laughs> that's the only one that comes to mind. <laughs> that, yeah, no, that, that's not my my cup of tea right there, but gotcha. I'm just going to go with Wonder Woman. Man, I'm I'm gonna need you to go watch that movie, just because you see Wonder Woman. It was amazing. Wait, what's it called? Wonder Woman. Oh, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's called Wonder Woman. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's so funny. It's okay. <laughs> it is okay. So, um, I'm gonna go ahead and get into this. My first question for you is: What was the hardest thing for you about leaving home? And coming all the way from Florida. I mean, coming all the way to Florida from California. Um, the hardest thing for me was that I didn't have family out there. So I was coming to a state and city where I knew no one. I don't think I knew anyone when I first got there. Um, so that was probably the hardest thing because I have a huge family. Um, and we're really close. We do stuff. Um, almost bi-weekly and I have you know so many aunts and uncles so the toughest part was just going um, away yeah I was gonna say because I'm like you came all the way from California and I know they have some really good California schools there Um, what made you choose Florida Um, I chose Florida because it was the best offer on the table Um. They were back-to-back national champs when they offered me a full scholarship. And what's funny is I actually wanted to stay in California. So I wanted to go to USC, UCLA, Cal Berkeley, but they all pretty much turned me down. And, I mean, now looking back on it, like, if I had to choose, I would choose Florida a million times over. I love my experience there. Um, But, yeah, I was really kind of let down by that and sad and then I got this offer to Florida and it was I mean like I said they were back-to-back national champs so it was kind of like a no-brainer wow yeah Florida I mean like they won a lot of championships and you know they're notorious for you know kind of playing on the big screen how did you deal with like the pressure of coming and to compete for a school like UF that wins a lot and clearly has like really high expectations what was that like for you? Yeah, so when I got the offer, I was completely shocked because I was like, 
if I'm getting turned down from teams, you know, that aren't doing as well as Florida, like what business do they have offering a scholarship? But I think that was, I mean, it was totally God. So um, I came in with very, I guess, low expectations for myself. I wasn't putting a lot of pressure on myself, although I knew that they won a lot and all that stuff. Um, and then I really, I feel like I thrived under the pressure that I was in. Whenever I was in pressure situations, I did pretty well. But like I said, I came in with pretty low expectations. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to perform at, you know, a high level of, of what, you know, Florida athletics expects. But I just worked hard and, um, yeah, I was able to perform well. Were there ever times like, you know, having all those high expectations, were there ever times where you felt like you weren't living up to them or you doubted yourself? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think in in any college career, there are going to be times where you just have a bad performance or a slew of bad performances and you doubt yourself, doubt your abilities. So there's definitely, there were definitely ups and downs um, in my career at Florida. Tell me about that. Like, how did you um, manage to get through it? Um, well, my teammates were a huge support. Um, my coaches, like, any time I felt like I needed extra shots or I needed extra time in practice. Like, everyone was just so supportive. Um, and I just kept working hard. Like, I know it's, it's so hard when you're performing so poorly to try and stay confident but I just had like so much support and so I think that really helped in just perseverance and determination um because it's one thing when you know you've performed at a high level before and you're just not uh, performing how you want to perform and so just knowing that you know I can get back to this level was was huge for me yeah wow something you just said that really stuck out to me was that you really thrive under pressure. And it's funny because when I went to Florida as a freshman, I felt Mm -hmm. like I literally just got lucky. Like it was (laughs) something that just happened to happen, you know, um, wasn't supposed to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. I was recruited, but not compared to the people that were on the team. And, you know, I still to this day, I don't really know how I ended up having a really good freshman year. But um, mm-hmm. I would say that I'm someone like that also thrives under pressure. Do you know like what kind of pushed you to thrive under pressure? Um, probably the fact that I hate losing. <laughs> yeah. So like at at any cost, like I just don't like losing. But um, I don't know when I really think about it, like what makes me thrive under pressure? I think I'm very motivated by not letting other people down. So like my teammates when we would be in those situations where I was the last match on and the whole match came down to like my last match. Um, I was just thinking like, I don't, I don't want us to lose. You know, I want to carry the team on my back. Like I want to do well for the team. And so I think that was something that really helped me to thrive under pressure. Wow. And you said you, you hate losing, which I think a lot of people can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. So so when you did lose, how did you like cope with that loss? 
Oh, it's still a work in progress. I mean, I'm retired now, but like it up until the day I retired is a work in progress. I put so much um, pressure and expectation on myself, and so when I don't mean by, when I don't meet my own standard, you know, I've gotten like really down on myself in the past. But there's also just this um, wanting to get back out there and try again. So there's always that. Um, just rebound, like wanting to just get better. Um, and then also just knowing, you know, where my true identity lies in Jesus and not um, being so wrapped up in results, uh, being able to have that type of perspective of I play tennis, but that's not the only part of who I am, you know, um, and being able to like zoom out from, one win or one loss and really um, just know who I truly am. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, um, I know that a lot of student athletes deal with that pressure and the expectations, you know, and just being really hard on themselves. And Mm -hmm. I like how you related that to, you know, it comes back to what your identity is. You don't really put your identity on your wins or losses that doesn't determine who you are you know your identities in christ so that's pretty cool very deep yeah it can definitely be so easy to just look at your achievements and accomplishments and um just get so lost in those and just as easy as it is to look at your accomplishments it's easy to look at your failures and get lost in those but really having like a proper perspective of of what you know, your true identity is, I think is so important. Now, did it take you a while to get to that kind of mindset or, um, where did you ever have any outside influence that kind of taught you that along the way? Um, yes, I did. So, um, let's see what year was this. Oh, 2014, summer of 2014, I went to, um, a training camp called ultimate training camp. It was in, um, Colorado and it basically is a, um, high intensity sports camp that teaches you how to integrate your faith with your sport. And I think that was the first time that, first of all, I didn't even know that was possible. (laughs) Second of all, I learned just so many, so many, um, wonderful truths about, um, who I am as an athlete and who I am as a Christian athlete. Um, and so that was when I first learned that and, you know, putting it into practice isn't as easy as it may sound. So I definitely had my ups and downs with, you know, um, going through a rough patch in my sport and trying not to, um, correlate with, correlate that with my worth as a person or, you know, um, if my abilities weren't really clicking that day, you know, trying not to be down on myself. So, that was that's definitely been a work in progress, and I don't think it'll ever be perfect. But um, that's not just a one-time thing; like it's an everyday uh, battle for sure. Yeah, for sure. And what do you think are like some of the consequences when you do allow that stuff to define you, as far as your wins and your losses? Um, definitely your your self worth. I think when you, um are doing bad it just translates into like I'm bad at this well then I'm bad at that it could be just like a downward spiral um 
And then you look to other places to kind of get that fulfillment, which can be, you know, dangerous Mm -hmm. to be looking for fulfillment and other people, other people's praise, um, what other people think of you, whether you're, you know, being accepted uh, because of your results. Like there's just so many things that can come with, you know, not having the right mindset and point of view. Wow. That's powerful right there. I never heard it um, put that way, actually. Um, Cause I know that yeah, girl, UTC, <laughs> UTC taught me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty inspirational stuff right there. Cause I know that's like, you know, looking to other people for like approval and um, acceptance is kind of like a symptom of something. And it could be a symptom mm-hmm. of you kind of putting your self-worth too much into your sport, your wins, your losses, your, you know, all that other stuff instead of, you know, combining it with something bigger. So, yeah. And um, when you aren't um, so worried about what other people think of you or whether you'll be accepted based upon your accomplishments and achievements, I noticed for me, especially, like it allowed me to compete more freely. And so, like, I wasn't afraid of failure and I wasn't afraid of losing. I wasn't afraid of going for my shots or, you know, doing something that was a bit more risky. Um, because I knew that my identity didn't lie in, you know, whether people were going to accept me or not. It was very firm in Jesus. And so it definitely allowed me to um, compete more freely and more openly. Yeah. Wow. So being able to compete more freely, that really just stuck out to me because you said it allowed you to take more risk. Do you think that mm-hmm. being able to go that way and take more risk and kind of like ultimately like step into the unknown, right? What do you think that brings out of you, out of an athlete, when they're able to go that far without it, being Well, fearful? speaking for myself, but I think it made me a better player for sure because I know if I'm going on the court thinking, oh, you know, what's so-and-so going to think? You know, what's my coach going to think of me if I lose this or – if I'm thinking about the outcome, you know, before it's even started, then I'm probably not in a in a good uh, headspace. Um, yeah, I think it allowed me to focus more like on the moment and actually playing rather than oh, what's going to happen if I lose or what's going to happen if I win. I mean, that can be you know a bad thing to think about too. Um, if you're thinking about all the good praise and recognition you might get, then that can totally throw you off as well. That's awesome. Wow. So I watched a YouTube video of you. I think they were doing a segment. (laughs) No, it was great. (laughs) It was great. It was your team talking about you and your coach and they were just so grateful and like excited to have you on the team. And they, uh, they were talking about leadership and it made me want to ask you, how do you define leadership? Personally, I define leadership as just kind of leading by example. Um, I'm not someone that talks a lot. I'm not a person of many words. And so a lot of time when I was in a leadership position on my team, I mostly led by example. I had a co uh, captain, 
Courtney Keegan, and she did most of the talking, and I was more of the lead-by-example type person. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would define, I guess, my leadership tactics. Nice. So you obviously believe that there can be more than one leader on the team. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I I'm, I don't really care for the leadership position, and that might sound weird, but I really don't care to be in the spotlight, and I don't care for everyone to be like looking to me to say something. Now, if you need me to lead by example, whether that's like staying after practice and and, and taking more shots or um, being on time, showing up, like doing things that um, are more action oriented, like I'm totally for it. You know, I'll do extra running, I'll do whatever you need me to do. But when it comes to like the, like giving speeches or anything like that, I'm not that's not like my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. why, you know, we should appreciate all styles of leadership because if we just left it up to those who just talked or that just had this strength or that strength, I don't think the team would fully benefit from it, you know? Um, so do you think that if there's like too many leaders on the team that it could be a bad thing or do you think like everyone can be a leader? I guess I kind of just answered that question. <laughs> I mean, I think that um, I guess it depends on your team dynamic because you can have a team that is full of egos, you know, and you're like, well, I'm not, you know, you can have players who maybe don't want to listen, um, especially not to multiple people. If they feel like maybe listening to one team leader is hard. Um, there are people who, you know, um, react differently to different leadership styles. And so I know for me and when I was on the team and I was in a leadership position, I felt like the girls didn't need as much guidance. Everyone was on the same path. So you didn't have to get on anyone about missing practice or showing up late to practice. Everyone had the same goal in mind and we were all working hard to reach that goal. And so I think that makes it so much easier to be in a position of leadership because you're not constantly having to talk to someone or motivate someone like everyone came in and they were so motivated and I think that's another reason like we didn't have to give speeches and all this stuff like everyone I think was pretty much had the same goal we were all working hard to get to that goal and so it just made leadership that much easier um so how could a student athlete leader or a leader on the team deal with maybe a team that's opposite of that people who aren't listening maybe there's jealousy on the team maybe there's just difficult people um from your perspective how would you kind of approach that I think the way I would approach that would be to talk to people like one-on-one -on -one. And um, maybe, you know, present anything that I feel like is hindering the team um, and kind of talk to them about that and understand, like, the reasoning behind their actions or whatever the, the problem might be. Uh, I think it would be easier to pull someone aside and have a meeting with them rather than calling them out in front of the whole team. Um, but there's, I think, the most reasonable way to deal with it would just be to like talk through it and try and understand 
like where they're coming from and hopefully they'll try and understand where you're coming from and they'll do whatever is best for the team rather than um, what's best for them. Yeah. At least you would hope, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that that's what you would hope. <laughs> yeah. Because I know, I mean, there's like many ways that I've seen team leaders try to even resolve conflict on the team. Um, and it's, I always found that one-on-one was always better. Like I've, I've seen the group therapy thing where everyone tried to, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, address that can things be, as a group. That can be bad. Yeah, it could be bad. It, <laughs> too many opinions, way too many, yeah. you know, uh, things going on at once, distractions. So I like that you said one-on-one. That's a huge thing mm-hmm. to highlight. For sure. Um, were there times that being in the college athletic environment pushed you outside your comfort zone? Um, I would say for sure doing um, Goodwill Gators. I don't know if you remember that when you were at Florida, but it's like the it was the volunteering um, that they would have, you know, the weekly opportunities they would have to like go to schools and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I always wanted to do something like that, but I was just so nervous to, to do something like that and to interact. I love kids, but I was just like, I don't know, like, is this something I really want to do? Like, yeah. am I going to like it? And, um, I think I started doing it my sophomore year and I loved it. Um, and so I did it throughout the rest of my time at Florida. Um, we would do like the, the Chris, I can't remember the title of, of the volunteering, but we would, um, give shoes to kids in need. Um, I know they had boys and, and girls I, club. I yeah. And then I started, I actually took over, um, a program, I think it ran by David, um, where we would go to um, a middle school at like 6.30 a.m. And we would run the kids through a, um, like a little workout, like some type of footwork, some type of game at the end. Um, and they loved it. And I loved it. And it was so early in the morning. And so it was so hard to find people that um, wanted to wake up that early and come. And I just, I loved it. I got so much fulfillment out of it. It was, it was so fun. But that was one of the things that like, man, I was really pushed out of my comfort zone um, (laughs) to go and and do that. And um, I miss it so much. I wish I could still do it, but yeah. Wow. Um, So what made you officially like make that decision to go for it? Like, you know what? I don't know if I, if this is going to be me, if this is going to be my thing, but you know, I'm just going to go for it. Let me just give it a try. Was there any like thing that kind of pushed you to make that decision? Honestly, I think it was climb for cancer. Do you, I don't know if you remember that, but it was like, um, it was on campus at Florida and it was like a field day. So they had different stations. They had like, um, a station set up in the basketball practice facility, a station set up on the soccer field. And there were just all these different sports activities that, um, kids with cancer to come and do and a lot of student athletes came out um that's the thing that they do annually and so I think I went to that and that kind of got my feet wet and then I was like you know what like 
I might do something more, you know, I might do something that's in a smaller setting where I could interact with the kids like on a more personal level. And so um, I looked for opportunities that were, uh, that worked with my schedule. And so I don't remember what the first ever thing I did was, but I know that I did, um, it might've been a hospital visit and I loved it. And so I just kept going. What advice would you give to um, student athletes who may be afraid of like just committing to something like that? Like the fear of like commitment. Cause I know that's kind um, of something I dealt with. Like, I kind of want to do it, but I know they're going to want to see me every Wednesday or they're, I know they're going to want to see me yeah, once a month. I totally, I totally get that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think going to a big event really helped me to like really see if this is something that I wanted to do. And it's not like you have to go every Wednesday. I know a lot of student athletes had to get hours done for their FYCS classes. And so a lot of the same ones would go um, because of the requirement, but um, I would say, yeah, go to something where you can like get your feet wet and go with a friend, um, have someone to go with so that you're not just going into this environment like by yourself. Um, I think those two things would really help. That's and again, great. I mean, it's not, it's not for everyone, you know, you don't have to do it, but I, like I love kids. And so it was really something that I enjoyed doing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think like, you know, because they offer these opportunities to people and it's like, sometimes mm-hmm. it seems like they only offer like children opportunities, but not everyone's mm-hmm. like children people. So do you, were there any other like types of experience that you're aware of or? Um, It was mostly geared toward children. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say that. Like, oh. it, it was like all like middle schools, all like, you know. Yeah, that's all I school, remember too. School based. Um, there was one event where... Um, it was a community event, and so like people would come and get free Christmas gifts. Like they get a ticket or something in the mail, and they come and you help them pick out their Christmas gifts. Um, and then there's another one with the Salvation Army, where you're like um, handing out food out of a food truck, but you're in the community as well. Oh, that's nice. So there were like a few community events, but most of them were geared towards children. That's nice. Um, so what did being a student athlete teach you about yourself that you might not have known about yourself before you entered into the world of collegiate sports? I think it taught me that like I am capable and I'm able, you know, to do whatever I put my mind to. Um, again, like I said, coming in, I didn't have very many offers. And so I think, I put myself at like a certain level, you know, like if I'm getting an offer from this school, then I must be this good. If I'm getting an offer from that school, then I must be that good. And so I think it really just taught me like, I can do it. Like I'm, I'm capable. I'm a good player. And, um, I just had low confidence coming in about my game. I felt inferior because I felt like my results in high school didn't, match the offer that I got I felt like my offer was like amazing and my results were like "Mm, okay and so coming in I was just like man like I don't know if I can do this you know like um, of course I'm gonna try I work hard at everything I do but you know it was just a I don't know type thing and after my freshman year I had a really great 
um, freshman year. And um, I feel like after that, I was like, okay, like I belong here. Because for the longest, I felt like, like, I don't know. I don't know if I belong. I don't know if I'm good enough. And so I think I kind of proved to myself that, you know, I do belong there. I am good enough. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the main thing that um, I learned about myself. Very nice. Yeah, no, that's very powerful. Mm-hmm. It made me think. So I was with a company and, you know, they put me through this training And when I was going through those difficult times in my training experience, there were times when I kind of like reached back to my student athlete experiences, Um, just Mm -hmm. mentally, whether I just memorized myself winning a race or overcoming an injury. And I'm like, you know what, if I can get through that, I can get through this. (laughs) Have you had Mm -hmm. those moments where you have to kind of like reach back? Like, I've been through this tough training. I can get through this. Yeah, like, there will be times where I'll think about, like, a match that I won that I came down, or I was down in score and I came back, and um, definitely being in grad school is, like, a whole, it's, like, a whole other beast, but at the same time, there's there's a lot of parallels, and, like, I can draw on my um, experience as an athlete to help me, I think, with, with, um, the tough parts about being in a, you know, full-time grad program. So yeah, there's definitely been times where I've, I've related what I've been through to what I'm going through now. That's incredible. Yeah. Those experiences, they're very valuable for a lifelong time. So are there stereotypes associated with tennis players? Um, From like my perspective, it seems like it's not a diverse sport, really. I think um, the reason that it is, you know, a little lopsided is because yeah. it's it's such an expensive sport to uh, play. Oh, I um, didn't know that. Yes, it's very, yeah, it's known as a rich person sport. And so it makes it hard for um people to play if, if, you know, yeah. you, you have lack of funds. Yeah. Um, and they, I think, I think the USTA is getting better. The USTA is like the, the governing um, organization for American tennis. And so I think they are um, getting better with, you know, having programs that are low cost or free of cost. I think that's mainly what it is. And I think, we are starting to see more African-American players coming up. And I think little, you know, black kids having um, an idol to look up to is really important as well, because, I mean, we see so many um, African-American football players, basketball players, you know, those kids have so much to look up to, so many people to look up to. But when when you look at tennis, Again, there are lower numbers of us in the sport, and I think that has a lot to do with um, finances. I think that's mainly where that diversion lies. But as far as like stereotypes, there's there's really not that I know of. There's not really very many stereotypes of mm-hmm. like black tennis players. Yeah, 
But I, I do think that that gap just has to do with how expensive things are. I mean, one racket is pushing $150, $200, and you're oh, expected wow. to have, like, four four to five rackets, and then a lesson is, like, 80 to to $100 an hour, and you're expected to have five lessons a week. And so, like, when all that stuff adds up and then the clothes are expensive, tournaments are expensive, travel, that's another huge expense. Like, there's just so much money that has to go into your training. I mean, if you want to be a higher level player, if you're just playing for fun, then granted, it's not going to be as expensive. But, you know, if that's something you really want to do, I think money is the thing that holds people back the most. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's just like, that's like minorities in general, then that'll probably struggle with that. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. So what advice would you give a young girl who's interested in tennis, but might feel intimidated by the lack of diversity in the sport? I would tell them to go for their dreams just because, you know, there's a lack of diversity. Um, I don't think that's a reason to not try. I mean, they can be the first or they can be one of the first. Um, and I think I would I would look at that as more of a positive thing. If you don't see people who look like you at the top, then you should strive to be that person that other kids can look to, you know. I love that. I love that, especially yeah. when you said they can be the first. That's really powerful, Brianna. So my last question and it is the most popular question that everyone is getting asked. <laughs> what makes you undefeated? <laughs> Um, what makes me undefeated? Well, first and foremost, I would say my salvation, um, because I know that anything that I succeed at or fail at, no matter what, like that's always going to be secure. Um, and I think following that would be like determination and perseverance. Um, what makes me undefeated is the things that keep me going. And so my love for whatever I'm studying, so whether that be tennis, which it was in the past, that's what um, I was working to get better at, and now it's psychology. And so just realizing, like, how much I deeply appreciate those things and want to know and learn more about them and determined and persevering through ups and downs, um, I think that's what makes me undefeated. Incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your candid story with us and just being so open and honest. Um, It was really inspiring and powerful. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you. I'm so honored to, to be on your podcast with other amazing athletes. Of course.